I'll stumble into town Just like a sacred cow Visions of swastikas in my head Plans for everyone It's in the white of my eyes My little China girl, you shouldn't mess with me. I've ruined everything you are. I'll give you television. I'll give you eyes of blue. I'll give your man a wand to rule the world. And when I get excited, my little China girl, she says, Oh, baby, just you shut your mouth. She says, Man, I'll tell you what, it just doesn't get much better than that. I am telling you, for, for years and years and years, that man ruled the world. Man, I got to tell you, he's just out of control. Out of control, David Bowie. Rest in peace, man. Welcome to the Frog Logic Podcast. I'm your host, Navy SEAL motivational speaker, best-selling author for adults and kids, human performance coach, and YouTube personality. Man, it's it's awesome to be here. I'll tell you what, for the past 25 years, I've been exploring and researching the human condition and my attempt to discover what enables individuals and teams to succeed in every environment imaginable. And what I've discovered are some undeniable truths about what drives humans to succeed and fail physically, mentally, and spiritually. I call these discoveries the Frog Logic Concepts. Welcome to my podcast. And I'll tell you what, my podcast has one mission. And that's to help you ignite the fire in your gut so you too can lead an ultra-motivated, purposeful life like I do. So stand by, it's time to get motivated. Hoo-yah! <laughs> all right, all right. Now, here's the deal. When I started singing, Oh, baby, China girl, she said, Oh, baby, just you. When you, when you were hearing David Bowie, was your foot tapping? I mean, was it, was it bobbing up and down? Was it going, was your, was your knee stomping a little bit? How about this? Was your memory racing back to the 80s, the mid-80s when that came out? Because I'll tell you what, mine goes right back to that moment when uh, that, that album came out. And, 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 and you know what? I love doing more than anything. And my drive my wife, who I call the Admiral, drives her absolutely bonkers is when I just start belting out a song. Uh, and and I, I have no tone. I, ha- I, I don't know all the words, but I could care less, man. I could care less because it's in me. It's in you. It gets inside. Well, my little China girl, she says, oh, baby. You know, I just it's inside you. And I don't care if it's Bob Marley or David Bowie or Bob Marley or 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 Jack Black or Jack White, I should say, or, or Jack Black. I don't care who it is. Man, music is something that that it, it, it makes you you feel it makes you move it makes you think it makes you it makes you feel this, all these incredible things now ask yourself why what is the black magic that exists in music to make this happen inside you think about it since the time you were young man 
Think about that first album. What was the first thing that you heard What you were like, uh-huh? That aha moment, that moment of discovery where you realize, man, there's this whole medium, there's this whole media, there's this whole thing that once it gets inside you and it starts pulsing and riveting and moving and jumping and shaking and the energy starts going ba 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 And whatever beat or rhythm, it changes you. For me, man, I'll never forget, man, I, I, it was Kiss Destroyer. My good friend, uh, Mark, who lived up the street, was a few years older than me. He got this album. It was called Kiss, right? Destroyer album. And I heard Detroit Rock City. And I tell you what, when I heard Paul sing Detroit Rock City, and I heard, you know, Ace Freelay and Gene Simmons and Peter Chris, man, I was blown away. I was motivated. And I was so motivated, man. I'll never forget. We went, I went down to this little carnival show and I and I bought one of those iron-on t-shirts. It was yellow and it had the destroyer uh artwork on the front. And I wore that thing every damn day. <laughs> and I used to get out my mom's vacuum cleaner when she'd be going and I and I would just sing. I would belt out kiss songs, right? I would belt out kiss songs into that vacuum cleaner. I even chipped my tooth. If you look at my teeth on the bottom, they're a little chip from one getting too wild on it. Right? I mean, think about that. A nine-year-old, eight, nine-year-old going going to town at, you know, we're going to party all night long or whatever it was, man. I mean, that's big, but that's what music does to us. Right? Think about it. Think about the evolution of your life. And now think about how music has played a role in that. Think about the moment uh, when you heard that a song that totally changed your life where you're like, oh, my God. Or think about that moment when you experienced a huge first in your life, right? That that first time uh, you were intimate, the first kiss, the first time uh, you uh, drove fast, the first time you went skating, the first time you danced. I don't care. The first, I bet a bunch of those had music incorporated in them. That you can remember, man. That's what music is. It's this powerful thing from our past, from our from our, our present. From the, from the things, from the time and the spectrum of our lives that we're, we're, we're alive, man. And we, we feel this uh, amazing, essential part, right? This essential part of your life in preparation for, for, for to experience, uh, you know, the beauties of culture, artistic culture in the, in the medium of, of music. This ain't new either, man. This has been going on for a long, long time since that first caveman, right? Or, or the first Native American. Man, I watch those powwow videos all the time, and I go nuts, man. I can't wait to go to my first powwow and, and get connected to music that's thousands of years old. You hear rhythms from, from African tribesmen or, or, or Chinese or Japanese flutes, man. The amazing thing about this thing called music is it plays an essential part of your life and how you experience life. And that's why music matters, right? So today's show, uh, this is, thank you very much, this is the Frog Logic Podcast, show number two. Uh, it's titled uh, Why Music Matters with a uh, special guest, uh, Scott Brown from the Badass Southern Rock Band, the Scooter Brown Band out of Texas. And we'll we'll get to him in a little bit. But that's what today's show is all about. It's, 
you know, today is, you know, unfortunately the death of David Bowie. But when I, as I've been sitting here listening to music all day and David Bowie's music and thinking about when I heard that and when I heard that and Ziggy Stardust and, and all these amazing creative contributions he's made. How I just, I remember over the holidays just recently, I, I went and I always loved to watch him and Bing Crosby sing Little Drummer Boy together. And I, and I get fired up. But you think about that, and you think about, you know, uh, in ways you we we're moved in this life, whether it's through our emotional connections, our relationships, through our experiences and our accomplishments, our failures. But music's right up in there; it's right up in the top form where it it, it causes you to change, right? If you allow it to really get it, you get it. And, and you don't even have to be musically inclined. You don't even have to love music. But, man, I, I dare to challenge somebody on this planet who can say, I hate all forms of music, right? Because it affects us on every level, right? It, it really does. It, it, you know, when I think about it, I think about the greatest musicians. And I think uh, to myself, wow. Music is so instrumental on how we experience life on every level, physically, right? Whether we're dancing or tapping our foot or snapping our fingers or bouncing our head. My little three-year-old, the bruiser, likes to get in the back. And there's this one song my, my wife listens on Alternative Rock on, on Sirius uh, XM. And she just sings it. And she pounds her little head, right? And then at night, we, we have dance shows, and, and lately, uh, uh, it's Maria Callas, man, right? The, the opera singer that my little girls put on these huge performances to, and then I get up and dance with them. And the mentally, right? Physically, mentally. Think about the memories in our lives and the emotions that we feel and how we attach those memories to particular songs and times, right? Our first breakup, man. Everybody out there has got a first breakup song, <laughs> With or without you, but I still can't. Let, you know, I mean, dude, it takes you right back. It's awesome. Now, spiritually too, man. Think about how music fills your soul, right? How when you're in those dark moments and and a song, although you might be a little melancholy if you're a big Cure fan or whatever, Depeche Mode or whatever it may have been for you, man. That melancholy that it fills your soul though. It makes you feel good. Or at least not good, but it makes you feel like you're not alone. I mean, that's soulful fulfillment, right? And this show, right, today's show on the Frog Logic Podcast, and, and if you're not familiar with Frog Logic and what it is, it's it's my motivational philosophy that's based on that 25 years of research, right? And it, and it's And it's how we're motivated. It's the things that motivate us to succeed and fail. It's the concepts, the ideas that I've applied in my life as I became a Navy SEAL medic and operator and instructor and how I applied at an international training specialist and, and as a top motivational speaker for some of the biggest companies in the world. All right, these are the ideas and concepts that I apply in my life, the frog logic concepts. This is a way of looking at a life, a lifestyle that, that, you know, is filled with purpose. It's filled with a, a positive motivational mindset that allows me to endeavor to persevere, right? And I do that in so many instances in my life through music. And this will be the first in a series of shows I do. And I'm going to have a bunch of people on, great musicians, producers, editors, you know, you name it. I, I, this, this medium has got to be covered in a, in, a, in, a more, in a significant way because motivation plays such an essential role as a, as a momentum driver, right? It really does. 
And that's the beauty of it. I mean, it's a, it's it's this greatest thing that which it's one of those accomplishments that humanity, that the human condition can look back on and in, in, in all forms throughout in all times throughout history and say, man, we did a good job. <laughs> Give ourselves a little pat on the back. I shouldn't pat myself on the back. I can't play a lick, but I love it and I'll sing it and I'll belt it and I'll get people fired up about it. And that's what's cool, man. I am a music nut. And it's been around for a long time. I remember, you know, my dad can't name off the greatest bands from the 70s, 80s, or 90s. But I'll tell you what, growing up in Detroit, he's got some phenomenal influences back then. And that's where it started. My dad and I used to go do father-son things together. And he'd flip on the oldie station and I'd hear Motown music. I'd hear, I'd hear uh, you know, Aretha Franklin and Martha and the Vandellas and Otis Redding. And, and all these greats, you know, Marvin Gaye and Tanya Tucker and... All these people that were, uh, Tammy Terrell, sorry, and all these amazing artists that just were incredible. And then that led into the Beach Boys and Jan and Dean and and Elvis and all these incredible music. And you start to think to yourself, wow, there's, there's something powerful. Then I'll never forget when my brother became a teenager, man, he had musical influence that would blow you away. I mean, he always had the first music that nobody had ever heard before. And he'd come home with our uh, the cassette tapes and he'd be like, you know, here, you can listen to this one. And they were mixes, right? And it'd be from the clubs down in Fort Lauderdale he was going to. And I'd hear these things. And I'd be like, my God, that's awesome. You know, a band called Upstairs at Eric's and and who Depeche Mode and all these things. And I was like, man, this is cool. And then, you know, as I became this little surfer rat in middle school, I, I found Fishbone, the suicidal tendencies and all these others. But it wasn't the real change for me where I became the connoisseur and started to discover why music really mattered to me in my life was when I first heard Jimi Hendrix. And Jimmy was just, you know, for many people out there, he's transformational. And not only the way he could sing, you know, he played that guitar. I mean, he was almost like he was blessed with this, this, this ethereal, actually, I should say this, this cosmos, cosmos, you know, ability to transcend all these, you know, whatever kind of metaphysical commentary you can place on that man. He did it with that guitar. It was incredible. And that, that was amazing. And I went through this big Jimmy phase and then that ultimately led me, you know, I heard it led me into some Bob Marley and that was like, my God, this reggae growing up in South Florida, unbelievable. I met the first, remember the first time I met, uh, saw a live show uh, with Ziggy Marley. And I think it was, I was a sophomore up in Palm Beach. And man, I had Ziggy sign my shirt. I had drawn this picture of him after and it was that, that intense amazing fulfillment of the live show, right? And it was like, wow, what's going on to me? What am I feeling? And it wasn't like I was just a total surfer, skate rat, you know, and into music and hanging out and all that. Man, I was an athlete and all this. I played football, basketball, lacrosse, all of them. You know, I was a normal kid, you know, but music was something that really was had a huge effect on me. It was. It was powerful. And I remember when my buddy Gubba, you know, from New England, introduced me to Guns N' Roses and metal. And I was like, whoa. And then I saw my first big U2 uh, concert, right? The Joshua Tree concert in the late 80s down in Miami. And I'm like, this is big. This is much bigger than me. This is much bigger than all of us, right? When these people, these incredibly creative, talented, gifted people come together create music, and then bless us with it. 
Sure, we got to pay for it, right? Every now and then we got to download it or whatever you want to talk about, but it's blessed. They create it for us and, and it has value. So we should pay them for their, their art, their medium. But they bless us. They give it to us. And think about how many millions of artists have out there, how many millions of songs, hundreds of millions of songs throughout history and what they've done for you. And, I, and you know, for me, it really... The, the, cra the crazy evolution happened when I got to college, right? And I and I, did, I realized that, hey, man, I, I developed into a more of an artist and I started going down this route and, and that's when Nirvana hit, man. And it was, it was epic. It smells like Team Spirit. I'll never forget. My buddy called me. I was like, hey, dude, have you, you seen that new video? It smells like Team Spirit. I was like, no. He's like, check it out. You know, 120 minutes on MTV. So that Sunday I watched it. Holy shit, I went out and bought that. I bought the album for it. I came back. I played that song 35 times. We broke the door in my in my dorm room with Mike. I mean, I was out of my mind. And then Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pliants. I mean, I remember diving off balconies in college uh, to plush. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Think about those moments and you go back to your youth and, and even before, you know, your adolescent, your youth, your college days, your formative years, they call them, right? I remember finding Miles Davis and that suspended everything for this great moment in time because I was able to really tap into what genius was. And as an artist and a poet, you know, Miles Davis was profound. You know, and, 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 you know, his album kind of blue really, really changed my life. Now, fast forward, I'm in the SEAL teams in Southern California, late nineties. And of course I got sublime rocking and blink 182 and it's going, it's going awesome. But it wasn't until my friend, Will, Willie, Will, Willie, Will introduced me to a band called social distortion that again, a transformation happened in my life. As I'm becoming a Navy SEAL, a door kicker, I'm getting hard. I'm I'm, I'm harder than a box and nails, right? I'm, I'm I'm training for war, all this. Man, my music of choice was punk rock, right? Punk rock. I mean, there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't have Social D blaring, that I didn't have Rancid, No Effects, Clash, Green Day, L7, man. All of them. Just hammering out. I drove people nuts with that. Rage against the machine. Now, what was it, man? Well, it was the time. It was my attitude. It was my emotions that I was in and how I was relating to my own life through music. And I had assimilated to the beauty of punk rock in those days, in those years. Now, I've gone through many transformations over the time, and, and now, man, my tastes are all over the map, and I'm a father and, and, a, and a husband and a speaker and all this stuff. So, you know, you, any given day, you know, and I'm out there PT and I'm training for the Leadville 100 here, I'm listening to Explosions in the Sky, and, and when I'm thinking of new podcasts, maybe I got Modest Mouse blasting in the background, or, or when, I'm, when I'm getting ready to go to CrossFit, it's We Were Promised Jetpacks, or I'm in a, just a chill mood, and maybe Gary Clark and the Blues, or, or Shagir Ross, uh, you know, Rose from Denmark, and man, it's just all over, and there's an incredible amount of music being produced right now for us. For you, for you to get motivated with, to tap into, 
Now, granted, I haven't talked about a lot of other things on here, classic rock and roll. I haven't talked about punk, uh, rap or, or hip-hop, but everything is important to me. I gravitate towards other things in the other you know, country and southern rock for sure. But I'll tell you what, it's music in general that it fu it's, it's fuel for your soul, right? And it, and it lifts you up when you're down. It makes you feel like you're not alone when you're down. When you're on the highest of high, it makes you, you know, it makes me want to shout when you're at, that, you're at that wedding and you're going nuts. You've had a little too much to drink. Or you're stage diving or in the mosh pit with, with people half your age listening to the Dropkick Murphys on St. Patty's Day in Boston. Man, that's glorious to me. That's absolutely glorious. And it's essential for us to have that in our lives. Right? Because without that, think of it. Think of if you were right now, if you were to stop right now and extract music from your life and not have it. What would you do? Think about the massive void that would be in your heart and in your soul and in your body. That's how critical music is. And that's why music matters. All right. For us to fully, fully, fully begin to understand why music matters, we've got to hear from those who live music completely, right? From for every little microorganism is 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 tuned up with its own its own beat or rhythm, its own its own driver. And and that's critical to have and understand. And so because of that, I've got to be able to bring people on who can deliver that message. I've got to be able to bring people on who can deliver the critical nature of what why music matters, why it matters in their lives. And what they're doing with the music and the struggles that are a part of music creatively and, and to perform music and, and all the things that we just don't really think about. We, we reap the benefit of music, but they have to live through the pain of cultivating a craft that is influential and inspiring at a higher level. And that's why I designed these, these, this series called Why Music Matters. My first interview is going to be with uh, an awesome musician, very talented, incredible, uh, a former Marine and, and good friend of mine. You're really, really going to be excited for this one. Well, she likes the pills and I like the whiskey. She likes straight. And I like Jones, yeah, I'm an old gunslinger She's a dime piece from Dixie She likes the pills, I like the whiskey The roadside walks up when the sun goes down There ain't much to do but close down this town She got that old brown bottle filled halfway up 
like straight And I like Jones, yeah, I'm an old gunslinger She's a dime piece from Dixie She likes the pills, I like the whiskey So, I, I, I don't know how much more excited I can absolutely be about having you know, my guest on now, I, I, listen, there are times in your life when, when you get to meet certain people that have a profound impact on, 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 you know, on, on the way you think about things. And in particular, the way Scott made me feel about music again, it had been a long time since I'd really been touched by music. And I had this incredible opportunity to, to, to meet Scott at this charity event we did together recently, uh, a few year, about a year and a half ago. Uh, uh, and it was for Mama Dietz, the Danny Dietz Foundation. And he came and he performed and he knocked my socks off with this incredible song, Valor, that he sang. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But what I want you to understand as I bring him on and you, and you listen to the way he talks, I want you to hear the authenticity in this man's voice. I want you to think, my God, what has he been through? Where has he gone? Because he's out there doing it. I mean, he's in the juke joints. He's in the dive bars. He's in the big stadiums. I mean, he's all over the place and he's doing it because he loves it. He's 100% motivated by the music and what it does for him and what it does for the people who love him. So without further ado, I want to introduce Mr. Scott Brown from the Scooter Brown brand. Scott, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, glad to be here, my friend. (laughs) Dude, it's just, I got all fired up, man. You asked my wife, the Admiral, man, today. You know, she's like, man, you're, you're having Scott on today. And I was like, oh, my God, am I have not. And because and, I'm, a, I'm a music buff, Scott. I mean, I love music, but I suck yeah. at it. <laughs> like, I think that's probably about 99% of people, man. <laughs> no, it's I, it's I mean, all good. Let me tell you how bad. <laughs> let me tell you how bad I did suck. Like in sixth grade. Uh, when I picked up the saxophone because I'd heard Miles Davis and thought I could, or, or John Coltrane and thought I could be him in, in you know, in sixth grade, I was like, they, there were six chairs, you know, in the, in the music marching band. They put me at like chair 10. That's how bad I was, right? <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you, man. When I first started, I sucked and I just, just I, I decided I didn't want to suck at it. So I just practiced as much as I could until I'm just not as sucky as I was before. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's my first question. Let's just start with the first question then. Yeah. Uh, tell me, tell me what was, if you remember, what were those first big musical influences in your life? Man, you know, I grew up listening to so many different kinds of music um, from uh, this classic rock and roll um, to country and bluegrass and uh, blues and um Eighties hair hair bands, uh, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I I listened to a lot of things, but I tell you what, music didn't hit me until I got into country music, like wow. country and bluegrass, where you, where the lyric of the song matched with the melody, and it just did something for me. Where I just, you know, when you remember you're hearing a song for the first time, and it's like you remember the a taste you were tasting or the smell or you know, a breeze or whatever it was. It's just music takes you back to that moment. And so it's that aha moment, right? It's that, it's that, that that pivotal moment. Yeah. And and everybody, I mean, you know, just about everybody loves music in some form or fashion, but there's some people where it just connect, it speaks to them. It speaks to your soul. And, uh, it did that for me and, and country music did. And I really didn't have an outlet for it. Like, it was really weird because a lot of my family were musicians, but I didn't grow really? up around 
being a musician. Like my dad was long out of it and a lot of my, my uncles and they hadn't done it for years. And so, um, and I didn't have any friends that did it. So as I went through like junior high and high school, I really wanted to learn it, but I didn't really know how or who to ask or whatever. And so I actually started writing songs when I was in ninth grade, but I had no way to, I had no way to put them to music because I didn't know an instrument. See, I had this, I had this, this vision in my mind of, of, of Scott Brown, like, like at two years old, you know, with his mullet, you know, and his, <laughs> his rocking on that guitar jamming out. I mean, and that, that wasn't the case, huh? It was literally a ninth grader wanting to write some poetry and some songs, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It started off with poetry. Um, a lot of like cowboy style poems and, uh, um, you know, and then it went to songs and I grew up in Colorado and a bunch of my buddies and I, we'd, we'd always go fly fishing or go hiking up in the mountains or do whatever. And so I would just sing them these songs and they'd be like, did you write that? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, man, that's pretty good. Your voice isn't too bad either. And I was like, yeah, whatever, man. You know, like I didn't know, like, you know, I sang in a church choir, you know, for about a year and that was about it. But that was the extent of my music background. Uh, so but there was um, nobody, actually, there was no, there was no person there, like your dad, your mom, your uncle, your brother, there was no one that said, you know, here, play the drums, play the tambourine, play any of that. No, my dad, he got me a, um, a guitar probably when I was in uh, maybe junior high, a um, little guitar and a practice amp, and I sat down with it and... You know, I was just like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I really want to do this, but you know, I had other, I played baseball and baseball consumed my life for a long time. And, Amen. Uh, uh, so I just never got around to it. And if I wasn't playing ball, I was, I was, uh, fishing or hunting or, uh, Pretending I was a sniper up in the mountains and tracking people, you know. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Aha! Uh -huh, a little foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So the the aha moment was really just about you know writing songs and in that lyric and the melody of a great country music song. Uh, is there is there an artist or a few artists in particular that really that really spoke to you? I mean, I mean, I would say back then. Um, it would have been Garth Brooks. Like, you know, Garth is, you know, he just had so many, like, good, heartfelt, lyrically driven songs that you just connected with. And uh, for me, that's when I really just fell in love with country music was Garth Brooks and Randy Travis. And, oh, wow. Um, and, and a lot of those. And I've gotten to meet those guys now. You oh, know, wow. it's been, been pretty cool. Um, now, I got a question. Did you have the, did you have the, like, oh, my God, you're Garth Brooks moment? Or were you like, hey, dude, what's up? <laughs> no, it's actually, man, I don't get starstruck too easily. Um, you know, uh, yeah, that photo, cool. you, that photo you posted recently, you and Zach Brown was just like, yeah. like, Hey, this is my buddy Zach here. And I was like, dude, that's rad. <laughs> dude, and he's one of that dude's one of the coolest dudes out there, man. He's, but all, Randy Travis, one of the most down to earth, humble guys, you know, I met before he got sick, obviously. And then, uh, Garth and Trisha Yearwood were both extremely nice to my wife and I, and, um, they were just really good people, you know, everything that you hope for when you meet somebody that, cool. that you'd looked up to musically. Cause you know, a lot of times in my, in the scene that I play in, you know, sometimes you'll come across guys that are just, uh, they're just not cool dudes. And you're like, man, I really, 
I really like your music, and now I don't like it as much anymore, you know? So, <laughs> dude, that happens like, all the time in the military. Oh, it? man, yeah. Yeah. All right. It's so like, you, dude, I thought you were so cool, and you're so you just hit, a dick. You hit the... <laughs> <laughs> what a dick. All right, so, dick. so you hit that point, and you're in, you're in high school. Um, it, you know, did, did you pick up a guitar... Was it before or after your transition to enlist? Um, it was uh, right after I enlisted in the Marine Corps. Um, I went through uh, basic training in um, uh, July. I think it started in July of '99. And um, when I went to the fleet, I went to a Light Armored Reconnaissance Battalion, and I uh, was a scout, and one of my there was a guy on the phone. I was there for like two weeks and there's this dude on the phone with a cowboy hat on. <laughs> and I just said, Hey man, where are you from? He's like, oh, I'm from Texas. And we just started talking and, um, he ended up being my best friend the next four years and oh, wow. still, it, you know, still is one of my best friends. And, uh, but he had a guitar in his room and he knew like four chords. And I was like, dude, that's really cool. And so, you know, on the weekends when we weren't training, we'd go out and kind of party and everything. And he'd always have his guitar and he'd be playing and all the girls would be gathered around him. And I'm like, <laughs> You don't want to be that guy, man, you know? <laughs> That's and, uh, so awesome. And uh, so I, I said, hey, do you need to teach me something? He's like, yeah, you know? So I'd go down to his to, to his barracks room, and we'd sit there, and he'd show me some chords. And when he'd leave, I'd take his guitar, and I'd pretty much – I used to steal his guitar all the time <laughs> and take it down to my room. And I just got obsessed with it. And finally, he came to my room, and he knocked on the door, and he said – Brown, grab your checkbook, dude. I'm, we're going to Oceanside. You're buying your own damn guitar. And I was like, all right, it's about time. And uh, What was that like? On, now, take me through that moment because that, you know, there are some key moments in our lives, right? When we when we raise our right hand, the first yeah. time we get hammered by an instructor that we're in totally fearful of, the first time we're actually risking our life doing our job. And then that just amazing moment, you know, where you get something that you've wanted so long that you, there's a connection to it, you know, that feeling you have to it. What was that like? Man, you know, it was just, uh, you're 18 years old, you know, and you're, you're out on your own and like, you know, it was, it was actually probably my first real purchase of anything, like of anything that's substantial that I wanted, you know, like besides, you know, a can of dip or some beer or whatever, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, and those we are big, there. by the way, for all our listeners. Those are a big yeah. purchases on a week. <laughs> well, and then when you're a, when you're a PFC in the Marine Corps making three hundred twenty six dollars every two weeks, um, you know, buying a three hundred dollar guitar was pretty uh, gut wrenching at the at the time. You know, but I was like, no, I'm I'm dedicated. I have to do this. I have to get my own guitar. And uh, it was awesome, man. Like it really. Uh, did you know the guitar you wanted? Like a lot of, like I know a lot of guitarists and musicians. They're like, I've always wanted the 1969 Stratocaster. I've always wanted, right. you know what I mean? And did you have that sense, or did you just say, I don't care, just give me the cheapest thing on the wall that I can afford, and let's go big? <laughs> Man, I just tried to, I just tried to find. I sat down with multiple guitars, and I just wanted one that sounded good that was in my budget, and. um I found a Takamini Jasmine that just fell in love with. In fact, this is it right here. Are you kidding me? That's it right there? Yeah, so oh, my this, gosh. I mean, this, this thing's been road hard and put up wet, man. It's, uh, here, here's what I want you to do for me. Play the, play the chords you played when you were testing it out. 
take me back to that that day. I don't know if you want to. If I mean, I hardly knew chords back then, but I mean, it would have had to been like one of the basics, you know, like a D oh, A and G. <laughs> but so, so, but this thing went through, you know, two deployments. I mean, it, it got me through the Marine Corps, and this is a guitar that I'll never. I mean, there's duct tape. I love all it. All over it. All you around know. the edge. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you more about that guitar and when you used it while you were deployed here in a little bit. So, yeah. you know, now you're in the Marine Corps, you know, you, you get further down, you're, you're moving forth. Music is now uh, an intimate and integral part of your life and how you dealt with it. You know, what, what was it like when, you know, you knew you were getting called, you're going to Iraq for that, that combat deployment. How is it? How are you feeling in that moment with the rest of your bodies? Man, you know, so I did my first deployment in 2001. And it was a Westpac. Went over to like Saudi Arabia, East Timor, a bunch of different places. And, uh, um, and so, you know, um, when I got called to, do, to go to Iraq, uh, my enlistment was almost up. And they actually offered, you know, they asked a bunch of us if we wanted to, you know, volunteer to extend our contracts and uh, to stay with our guys. And so for me, as a one, as a Marine, I mean, one, you don't join the infantry Marine Corps without wanting to go kill the enemy, you know? So like, <laughs> I'm ready, like, I'm, I'm ready to go, you know, like, I, you know, and I was really disappointed, man, because, you know, obviously there was a lot of guys that, that, that didn't um, do that and, you know, to each his own. But, uh, you know, I just couldn't, you know, after doing workups and training with my men, uh, I couldn't just bail on them. I would never, I could never do that. So, I mean, when, when we got the call to go up and I knew I was going to have to, um, uh, you know, extend my contract, I was, I mean, say, come on, send me. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. Yeah. You know, like, it wasn't even a second do. thought, right? It wasn't even said. That's cool, man. I, I nah. dig that a lot. Now, so, you, I mean, you spend all that time training and getting your ass kicked and hurting and bleeding and everything else. It's like you want to go, uh, you want to go use what you've learned in the real world, you know. And uh, I think that's uh, the way that ninety-nine percent of us think, you know. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I still look at, you know, my experience, and you know, I, I did a, a combat deployment with Team One in the summer of two thousand two. But, you know, I, we got back from that and I wanted to do some career things and the needs of the Navy were like, no, you're going to do this. We need you to do this. And I was young and dumb and didn't think Iraq was going to go big like it did. And I punched out. And, and you know, there there aren't many days that go by, especially when I talk to my brothers that were in Fallujah, in Ramadi, that, you know, were in the surge, that were in all these amazing places. And even the guys that went on and and you know, served in Marja and Afghanistan and all mm. these other incredible places, you know, that I wasn't like, man, did, you know, did I, did I turn my back on them? Did I let them down? And so that's always in us, that connection to our brothers, right? Yeah, and that's the thing, man. It's, 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 it's one thing to go over there and freaking do your deployment and you get back and say, you know, I've, I'm, I'm good, you know, it's done. But, you know, it's another thing for me anyway to – uh to work up with you guys, not done doing that before, you know, this is, this is your man's first time in combat and you're going to roll out on him, you know, like I just couldn't do that. And, and it, it worked out really good for me because since I did voluntarily do that, I actually 
when I got back from Iraq, I I started separating almost right away. And uh, when I ran into a bunch of guys that didn't extend, they got voluntold and they were there for another year. So I was still getting out a year before they were. Anyways. And I was like, hey, man. <laughs> That's the luck of Scott Brown right there. <laughs> right, Sometimes so, that, the luck ain't the greatest, but it, it happens every once in a while. Every now and then the sun will shine on a dog's ass, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. All right. So you're overseas in Iraq, and, and the big one I want to know is, is, is not about what you did or, or, or the combat or any of that stuff, because I'm sure you get asked that all the time. What I want to know about is, is in those days when, you know, when – when there was the downtime and you guys were hanging out, what kind of music were you playing and, and where was the inspiration coming from? So when, when, when I got to Iraq, since we were in the invasion, I wasn't, I, like, I didn't have a guitar with me in Iraq. Um, we, we slept on the ground the entire time, freaking no tents, no PXs, no nothing. So like we're moving from town the to town. suck. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And I had a um, a Discman CD player, and I had um, three CDs, and I had um, and it's all Texas Texas style music. I had a Jason Bolin record, um, I had a Roger Crager record, and I had a Pat Green and Corey Morrow songs we wish we'd written record, and I had those three records, and um, I listened to those over and over and over and over again. Um, course that's the only thing I had so um, but it really made me fall in love with the scene in Texas mm -hmm. and realize that that's where with me growing up in Colorado and a lot of my friends as you well know in the military just about everybody's from freaking Texas so <laughs> uh, that's what made me want to go like uh, start thinking ahead like do I want to get out if I do I'm going to Texas to pursue music and which is really cool now is you know I listen to those guys before I was playing music and now I play shows with them. I got their phone numbers in my phone. Hang out, you know, like that's cool. So it's kind of cool to have that gradual, you know, um, uh, just the beginning stages of that, and then to and then for me to do a show with those guys now, and for the first time for me to tell them that hey man, your your music helped get me through Iraq, and now I'm doing a show with you. It inspired me so much that I want to do music. And, that's cool. And pursue it. It's pretty that, awesome. That's man. motivating, man. That, I bet it was whole, motivating the for whole, them. Yeah, man, it's that full circle moment, you know, when it comes back around. All right, all right. So did did you did you write any songs while you're over? Like when you're on the back of the MRE box as you're sitting there eating your cheese tortellini, you're like, damn, this would be a good moment, right? Flies in my eyes and my shitter stinks, you know? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I messed around with some stuff. Um, once again, I didn't have a whole lot. You know, the digital age hadn't come up quite a bit yet, so... You know, we didn't have iPhones and stuff to where I could jot down notes. You know, I had my um, uh, Kodak disposable camera and, you know, a notepad. And that's, you know, that which the camera got destroyed <laughs> with all those damn sand. So, uh, but I, I, you know, I definitely came back. Not so much. I don't, I can't say that I wrote a whole lot while I was there. Um, but I came back with my head just filled with stuff. I bet. Uh, I bet. So, so when you got out, you're home, you're out, and and uh, you know, I, I, you tell a story about the the what you had in your pocket, and and uh, if if you'd share that story with me, you know, or, or with the audience, you know, about making the transition and and playing music and the dedication you have to have 
to, to make it in this business? Where, where did it ignite for you? Well, I mean, I t- uh, you know, the, the Marine Corps, I can definitely attribute a lot of the man I am today. Um, you know, I was never a bad kid or anything, but as far as my, I always wanted great things, but my motivation level wasn't always great. And, um, the Marine Corps really pushed me to that next level to go after stuff. And like, even like with pursuing music, I, um, I was, I mean, I was this close to reenlisting. I was literally sitting, you know, at a desk, um, you know, with my papers in front of me, ready to sign. I was going to be a survival instructor in Bridgeport, California, uh, for mountain, mountain survival. And, uh, I looked at it and, uh, somebody had said, uh, Hey Brown, you ready uh, to give another four years of your life? And it just hit me, and I was like, "Whambo!" <laughs> if, if they wouldn't have said that, I'd be in the Marine Corps. You know, like we probably wouldn't be talking right now. You'd be a master sergeant getting ready to yeah, retire. Really, man. I would be. And, <clears throat> and it hit me, man, and I was like, "Man, I don't ever want to like. I've already like being a Marine to me is the biggest accomplishment." Besides my family, your and my, family. My, I was my about ready to say, man, you got a beautiful yeah. family, brother. Yeah, man. Besides my my family, um, you know, there's no musical accolades. There's no other things that I will ever consider higher than than my drill instructor had putting an eagle globe and anchor in my hand. That's cool. And calling me a marine for the first time. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so I uh, I thought I I did it already. I've done it, and I don't want to look back and say could I have done this with music? And so I got out of Marine Corps. And when I got out, I didn't have anything, man. I didn't have, I didn't have a pot to piss in. I was living at my, uh, I moved to Texas and uh, I moved in with uh, a Marine Corps friend of mine's dad in a trailer on 40 acres in, in Waller, Texas. And I spent my first six to eight months driving a tractor, haying, you know, mowing fields and just writing and trying to get better at, at my guitar. And, uh, I mean, there was times where uh, I had like $3 and 28 cents in my pocket and I was thirsty, went into a gas station and was like, what can I get with this? You know, like a can of dip in a bottle of water and, you know, where am I going to get the next, <laughs> the next cash from? So that's, I, I swear to God, that could be one of my favorite stories that anybody <laughs> tells, man, is to walk in and he was yeah. hungry, but he got a tin of dip and, and, a, and a thing of water. <laughs> Yeah, and the water wasn't for drinking; it was to pour out and use as a spitter. (laughs) I chugged it, and then it was a spitter. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, but yes, so I mean, like you know, and then I I got I got a couple jobs. I actually worked at a a car dealership for a while. I was selling trucks, and uh, I was I worked offshore for a while, and uh, you know, I just I wasn't happy, man. You know, I was like. I was missing the Marine Corps for one. Um, and two, I had no idea where to start with music. Like I didn't know anybody in the scene. I didn't know anybody in the business. I just knew that I loved music and I had a guitar and I had a handful of songs. What, and what am I going to do with them? You know? Uh, do you remember, then, uh, do you remember what was it like the first time that she said, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to get up there in front of an audience and I'm going to play my guitar. Man, a friend of mine actually found a um, an open mic an open mic night, and uh, I never sang in front. I've sang at campfires and on the beds of pickup trucks, and you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. But I've never been on a stage with a microphone. So my friend said, "Hey, I found this open mic. I want you to go do it." 
And I was like, all right. And I got there, man. And I, dude, I was shaking, man. And I was like, I got up on that stage. I love it. I got, I got up on that stage and like, you know, I was sitting on a stool and my, you know, my leg was just bouncing up and down and my hand as I'm playing the guitar, just twitching, you know? And, uh, and there was all, you know, there's maybe seven people in that place, but I was didn't get still seven people were just like staring holes through me, you know? And, uh, I played three songs and right then at that moment I was addicted. Like cool. the, it calmed down a little bit and I got done with it and I was like, dude, that's the coolest feeling in the world, man. Being up there in front of those people and singing, singing songs, you know, like, and it don't it, matter if it's two people in a broom closet, does it? it it's doesn't. just playing, doing what you love to do. Yeah, man. And, it, and it, I was from then on is when I was addicted and when I was like, I've got to figure this out on how to do this, you know, like, and, and eventually try to make money doing it so I can make a living, you know. That, that's awesome. So fast forward a little bit, and, and I, you know, I, I can only imagine, you know, that, that rocky road, right? The, you know, going up, the one minute you think you've got, you know, a group together, you don't, a band and all that. How did you finally say, all right, boom, this is going to be the Scooter Brown band? Uh, these are the guys that I want to play with. How, how, how did that how did you know that these were the right guys? Man, it all kind of came together with luck. Honestly, I started um, I started hosting my own open mic jam, and I met a lot of other musicians. But my Marine Corps buddy that taught me how to play the guitar, him and I actually started the band as just us two and a, two acoustic guitars, and that was it. And then his cousin played bass, so his cousin joined us. And then um, a girl that played the violin at my wife and I's wedding. We're like, hey, you want to be in a band? And so <laughs> so she joined in. And then so it was a four-piece acoustic thing for a long time. And it was it was, you know, country, Texas country, however you want to uh, whatever genre you would put it in. And uh and then obviously over time, you know, it's changed out, you know, some guys have come and gone. Uh our drummer Matt, he's an army veteran. Um Very he cool. is um he's been with me for about ten years now from when I first started. Wow. And then um, our bass player, Steven, he's from Scotland. He's been with us for about five years. And then our guitar player, um, we actually just switched out guitar players um, a couple weeks ago. Oh, wow. And okay. uh, so he actually just played his first shows with us um, this past weekend, a uh, young guy out of Fort Worth. So, um, but, you know, uh, the, the three of us have been together for a long time. time. Yeah. That, that's cool, and, man. That's really cool. The you know the one and I've I've seen you guys play now a few times and and I, you know the one thing that really kind of shakes me is is I, I you know I'm not uh, I don't have a, a depth uh, in country music at all you know I, I you know I I love southern rock and roll and and you know now I'm starting to grow and appreciate country music a lot more because of you and some other folks that I'm friends with and and. You know what I when I heard you play, I was really kind of shocked, quite frankly, because it wasn't like I didn't hear, you know, the typical country. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really country music. It was. I mean, and and then when I I asked you about it, you're like, yeah, we kind of got. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a a, a country musician with a rock and roll problem, and, yeah. and when that I was like, that's it. That's a hundred percent it, man. <laughs> Cause you're, That's it. it's, I mean, it's loud guitars and fast rhythm and 
strong, you know, beats. And I, I mean, dude, it it rips when you guys get going. You're on fire. Is is that intentional or is that your style or tell me more about that? So you know, we, when when I first started off, it was straight up country. Um, you know, cowboy hat, pearl snap shirt, kind of thing, and I just I loved it, but it wasn't me. I felt like I was doing something that I that wasn't me. And um, as much as I love that music, um, it just I could write the songs, I could get up there and perform them, but it I just didn't like feel it. And you know, a couple of years ago, I said, you know, I want to I want to play more kind of a southern rock thing. You know, I I still want to stay true to the country root side. Because, you know, the country genre is where our music's going to be played on the radio. And, you know, that's where we're going to be able to fit in. Um, but I want to play, like, southern rock. I want to play American rock and roll. I want, But I still want to have a little bit of a country root in there, you know, keeping the, the lyrics, you know, just real and genuine and everything. So uh, we started making that transformation about two and a half years ago. And even when we were, when we were playing more country style, it was still our live show has always been more rock and roll than our records have been. Um, and so that was always a hard thing to get over, too, is a lot of people would say, well, here's the record, and we'd show up, and they'd be like, man, that's a lot harder than than the record is, you know? And and I just knew that we needed to go in a direction to make a record that represents what we do. But, you know, I just, what we do now, I thoroughly enjoy. Like, I love playing my Gibson Les Paul through a, loud Vox amp and just <laughs> and playing some good American rock and roll, man. It's just, uh, it's fun. I'll tell you what, I mean, the most recent, you know, memory I have with, with you is when we, we were at the, the, this year's volunteer jam in, in, in Nashville and it was, you know, yeah. Charlie Daniels and they invited you out there and, and, you know, it's a big deal. I mean, the volunteer jam used to be the biggest uh, show in Nashville and, and Charlie's manager, Mr. David Corlew has brought this thing back and it was huge. I mean, some of the biggest musicians in country music were there that night, Eric oh, Church, Charlie dude. Daniels, I mean, Leonard Skinner, you name it, they were there. And, and I remember you, you got to play that outside stage and, and introduce the people coming in to what they were in store for. And, and I was out there for several of the musicians and, 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 Nobody, in my opinion, and I'm probably partial for sure because I'm your buddy, but 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 nobody, and, and I always take a, an objective look at things. Nobody was ripping it up like you were, and and the cool thing is, is that that shows like in you, you 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 let that natural kind of desire to just you know to play great, hard, good music out there. It shows. Do you feel that when you're on stage? I mean, do you? Do you think about it, or do you just let it out of you? Man, you know, I, uh, I, I get up on stage, and I just, I don't think about the crowd. I don't think about who's watching. You know, I just get up there, and I play the show that we should be playing, no matter who's, who's out there. And, uh, you know, it's obviously awesome to have a few thousand people standing in front of me, you know, <laughs> like rocking out. Um, instead of seven in the bar on open mic night <laughs> yeah which is still crazy because of where we're at in our in our um uh, position in in the music business i guess we go from playing shows like the charlie daniels jam to the next night playing some hole in the wall with a half pa <laughs> for eight people yelling play some more country music you know like 
<laughs> it's, it's such a roller coaster, man. It's up and down, dude. You get this. I've never, besides being in combat, I've never had so many highs and lows in my life. You know, like um, been being in this music business, it's pretty crazy. Well, I, what I love about you, and, and you see a lot of musicians that come out nowadays, and and, and they they really try try and curtail or or they try and you know brand themselves to to fit right in to the music scene right they they can see it across the spectrum across the horizon they're like they're modern they're like all right if i just and i can fit right in here and i'll plug right in and get picked up and all that and what i love about you guys is you aren't doing that i mean the scooter brown band is the scooter brown band you're playing what you love to play where you love to play it i mean not always when you love to play it but you're playing and you're out there and you're learning right you're doing those repetitions and and Man, it's awesome to watch you do this. Yeah, man. You know, um, I, one of the other reasons why I really got into, you know, and we've always just done our own thing. We've always had our own sound. I write 99% of the music that, that we play. Um, if I want to get up on stage and play something, if I didn't write it, I better believe in it. And, right. uh, you know, it's better be something that I feel when I play. Because if not, you know, that's part of this thing about being not just a musician, but a songwriter and a storyteller and if I have something that I want to say and I want to get it out in front of people, you know, I want that to be coming from me. Um, but part of the reason why we really wanted to go towards what we were going towards is because um, when you go turn on a top 40 radio station, you hardly can tell one guy from the next. And it just kind of <laughs> seems like it's like this mold. It's like, well, this is what is a hit right now. So let's try to sound like this. And then, and then that kind of fades off and everybody scurries over here and says, <laughs> Oh no, 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 this is a hit. No, we gotta sound like this. It's like, no man, just be yourself. At least if you get, if you make it at the end of the day, you can say, you know what? I made it and I did it the way that I wanted to do it and the way that I sound. And if I don't make it to the big time or the big show, then at least I know that I did it with my style and my, my songs. And, um, you know, at least I can be proud of it at the end of the day and, and not saying something that just somebody wants you to do it for, for a paycheck. Well, and, and that's, that's where it comes down to doing what you love doing. Right. I mean, yeah. and, and the motivation is not about, is not about the glory or the fame or any of that. And, and, and trust me, it's all important stuff. It's important to think about it and craft a brand and an image and all that. But at the heart, you got to love what you do. You got to be totally motivated, whether you're in front of the 5,000 people or you're in front of the five people. You got to bring that same motivation. And and I love seeing you in that. One of my favorite, you know, experiences about, well, there were two big experiences about that night of of the jam band. Uh, One was I got to see you in front of a big crowd and and, and really let loose. and, And I watched the crowd, you know. Uh, and, and, and I watched the energy you were able to create and I was like, man, that's cool. Is it, is it just the show? Is it just, he just gets on stage and that's it. And that's what you see. But then backstage, when, when we were out there and Ted Nugent was on and I remember he played the national anthem as he does. And you stood at direct attention, took, you know, you, you had, you know, you were standing there like you were at colors in the Marine Corps. And it was one of the most impressive thing because it 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 let me it let me really see a part of you that your your engagement is so authentic 
that it doesn't change because you're on stage or you're here or you're there anyway. You, you, you're a firm believer in what music is and what it represents to its core. Yeah. And whether it was Ted Nugent playing his rendition of Star Spangled Banner, it was still the Star Spangled Banner. And, and I really respected that. And, and, and that was able to translate also in a bigger moment when you got, when, you know, we got to see, have you introduce and, and meet Charlie Daniels. And that authenticity with you and how you were chatting, man, is, is, do you get a lot of pressure from outside people saying, hey, Scott, if you guys did this or did that, you could be better or whatever? Do you get a lot of that pressure? Yeah, I mean, you always got Monday morning quarterbacks that are, you know, telling you that, oh, this is what you should be doing or you need to try this or try that. And, um, man, you know, I, I'm just, um, I'm just who I am, and there's just nothing that's going to change that. And, you know, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that that somebody can come to and say, hey, man, maybe if you trim that beard down and got a haircut and wore wore some skinny jeans, you'd make it a little farther. No, man, that's not me, man. I'm not going to do it. So, um, you know, you always get people telling you what you should be doing, but um, at the end of the day, I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm going to take advice and help from people that I think truly want to help um, help me, but you know I'm I'm never going to compromise my integrity over it. You know, uh, everything that I say on stage is if I say it, if it comes out of my mouth, it's a hundred percent. And I'll say it on stage, and I'll say it backstage, and I'll say it to whoever. You know, um, you know the the national when Ted played the national anthem, you almost every time I hear the national anthem. My, my eyes water up, okay, man. Yeah. I, you know, like it's just freaking hits you down in your heart, man. Yeah. It's like, like it, you know, and you can't, you know, that's something that you can't fake. You know, you, no. you, you know, that's just it. Just is, and I think that there are probably are some people out there that kind of play off of the patriotic thing and try to, you know, try to make a buck off of, uh, you know, being this or that or saying this or that or playing this song or. You know, whatever it is, you know, and like, hey, I mean, I, it just, it's, it's real for me, you know. That's what I dig. And, and you know where I, I hear that especially is, is is your new album, man. It was in, I, I love it, man. I, I've got it, I, you know, I, I I downloaded it and I love it. And, and man, I, I play it all the time. And, and it, it's, you know, I want to talk about a couple of the songs on there and, and just ask you where they came from. So the first and foremost one that really just, that, that hits me really hard is, is Pills and Whiskey. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm a, like, I'm a big Mike Ness social distortion fan. And, and, and you know, he, he has some songs like this and, and it's funny, man, even though it's it's a different genre, right? There's still he does those crossover things on his album Cheating at Solitaire and and but you know, I hear that that hard guitar and pills and whiskey and mm-hmm. and tell me a little bit about that song and, and tell our listeners where you came up with that. Man, <clears throat> I wish I had a really cool story for that song. <laughs> but uh, sometimes, man, there's songs that literally it's taken me two years to write and there's songs that take you 15 minutes. And I actually wrote that song in about 15 minutes. And I was, yeah, it was actually, That's uh, awesome. it was actually, um, more of a, uh, um, 
Uh, oh, my, my son, my son Eli just popped in here. What's up, What's up Eli? Buddy? Hey, come here real quick. Come say hey to everybody. This is my, this is my son Eli. Hi, buddy. Hi. Hi. Can you wave? He's Hi. like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Right All right, go, go back and see Mama for a little bit, okay? Uh, uh, mama. Yeah, Mama. Mama. Uh, yeah, go see Mama. <laughs> That's awesome, man. He's the best, man. Yeah, he's my buddy, man. Yeah, he is. Uh, all right, you want to you sit up here with me for this for a little bit? Yeah, here. That for cool? sure. Oh, absolutely. There he goes. He gave me a little hey. wave right there. I love it. I love it. Say <laughs> like number one. All right, all right, so Pills and Whiskey uh, yeah, Pils 15 minutes. It came right out of you. Yeah, so we were opening up for one of my favorite bands, uh, Whiskey Myers, um, great southern rock band. And uh, I, had the, I had it stuck in my head. Um, yeah, just this 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 hook and this lick and uh um i started playing it during sound check before the show and um they like it went over so well during sound check i told the guys i said we should play this tonight and they're like at the show and i was like yeah let's just wing it and we got no done way. playing that song and when we got done off this when we got down off the stage um we had like 30 people lined up at our merch booth asking where they could download that song. And I was like, we just wrote it six hours ago. You know? oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so it was pretty, hey, <laughs> he's, he's making a dive for the uh, keyboard. I don't want to turn us off. Uh, yeah, all that's right. all right if it happened. No biggie. Um, uh, so the other song I want to ask you about, too, is I, I want to I, I ask you about the uh, doctor. You know, yeah. I, I'm a medic, and and I, I just that used to, people used to call me Doc all the time, as you know. Yeah. We got Navy Corman in, in there. What, what, where Doctor come from? Um, so that is another one that I don't have a great story. <laughs> Man, you know, sometimes, sometimes you uh, you just get an idea of of uh, of something. But we'd actually been covering this Beatles song. Um, uh, which one was it? Get back. Get back. Um, so we were covering that song and I love playing it. And I was like, man, I really like this, the chord structure of this song. And so I started messing around with the structure and seeing like what I could come up with, um, you know, to kind of divert away from that, obviously, because, you don't want it to sound like get back, but I just really like the way that the chords flowed, and so I started doing it, and then I started thinking of I think somebody was telling me a story about their daughter and like the boyfriend scenario and the whole like oh man I got a shotgun waiting for him you know I'm like, oh, I got polishing my you know my guns when he yep. walked in the door cleaning my guns, and so I was just like dude that'd be a really cool song like you know like on both sides like you know kind of that daddy daughter. Uh, and the boyfriend, you know, and uh, and so that's, uh, you know, somebody called a doctor. It starts off like talking about love and then and then at the end part, it's uh, somebody called a doctor because you just got freaking peppered by a daddy <laughs> shotgun, you know. So, uh, it's just, you know, what's fun about them is, is you know, there's a, there's an intensity, of course, because of the, the you know, the, the, the songs themselves. They're, they, they got a lot of energy to them. And. But there's also a playfulness in your lyrics, right? And and I like that about it. You know, a lot of times, 
you know, in country music, there is this this impression that it's oh my dog got run over and all that stuff. Yeah. And and I like the way you you're playful in your lyrics and you know and you can take us on that ride across that that fun and that and it you really create this great visual story as well too. And and that's challenging to do, you know, but great songwriters can do that. Um, the last one I, I want to talk to you about is "Make It Out Alive," and and that's the last yeah. song on the album. And and just today, when I was getting ready for this, I listened to that song about two or three times, and 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 that seems like a pretty heavy song. So, would you, if if you can, would you share a little bit about that song with us? Yeah, that song took me a long time to write. Um, it was one of those ones where. I'd had it in my head for years and years and years, but I just could never get it out the way that I wanted it to. And, uh, you know, one day I sat down and it just, it just started coming out. And basically it's based off of a promise that I had made to God when, when I was over in Iraq. I said, uh, you know, God, if I, if I make it out of here alive, I, I promise I'm going to be the best man I possibly can. I'm going to be the best That's cool. friend and the best you know, husband one day and the best father one day, um, you know, and, and I wanted to live my life to the fullest just to, you know, pay back any debt from our brothers and sisters that didn't get to come home, you know, and, um, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't a plead of like, you know, please God, I just want to make it out of here, you know, it was like, I didn't, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't about that at all, um, you know, if, if I, if I died in combat, then that would have been an, an honor, you know, um, to die for my country. Um, but uh, it was just more of saying, like, you just saw a bigger picture. You saw that Amen. life is precious. You saw that, uh, that the, you know, it's, instead of saying, you know, oh, did you see so-and-so's new truck down the road? You say, man, did you see that sunset this morning? Yeah. Tonight, you see that sunrise this morning? Yeah. Like. You know, it's noticing things. Did you hear that note? Did you hear that note off that organ in church? Did you? Did you just hear the laughter of my child? You know, right there. Yeah, it's it's that's what the song is about. It's just living for the important things, and it's living to because we get to, we still get to, we get to, we get to breathe, and so many of our brothers and sisters don't anymore. And I think it's kind of it's also a plea for me to you know, the, the 22 kill movement with, with like saying, Hey guys, like, listen, we have a reason to keep living. Like we have a reason to keep going. We have a reason to, um, to, to keep marching on. Um, because we owe it, we owe it to our, our brothers and sisters in arms that don't get to keep doing it. Like, that's not what us coming home and, and, and getting lost and, overdosing in pills or, or whiskey or taking our lives. That's not what they died for. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's part of the song too, is kind of hoping that reaches ears that maybe somebody will hear it and be like that. I never thought about it that way. And it was one of the coolest things in the world, man. When I first wrote that song, I was doing a radio, um, radio tour promoting another, um, album. And, uh, I decided I wanted to try it out on, on the radio live and I played it for the first time on a little station in West Texas. And I I get done and the and the DJ was like, I don't know, like my job is to talk for the past thirty years and I don't know what to say right now. Like that song is <laughs> hit me. 
And I was like, dude, that's awesome. And <laughs> I got in my truck and I left. And about 15 minutes after I left, my I get a ding on my email and I opened up my email and it's this dude from Idaho or Utah. And I guess he'd been listening online to the show because uh, a lot of the music they play in Texas, they don't play in a, other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. So he'd been listening online. He said in the, in the first uh, line in his email was, uh, God put me in my truck for a reason this morning or put me in front of my computer, which, whatever it was. And uh, so he went on talking about how he was, you know, a, a combat veteran and he'd been, you know, lost his family to drinking and drugs and a bunch of stuff. And he said, dude, I heard that song and I'm going to turn my life around. Amen. And I was just like, that's it. If that's that's if it. That's, if that's the only thing I do with my music career, man, is that one guy, if that if that one song might have saved his life or turned his life around, if that one song did it, there's nothing else in music that will ever compare to that. If that's the one thing that I was supposed to accomplish was that, then I can I can I can give up this music and and be a happy man. Dude, I I just that that floored me, man. I mean that's, knowing it, that something that you wrote and something I mean literally could change somebody's life. I mean, it's just amazing. That's why music matters, brother. That's why music, music matters, matters man. man. It's amazing. All right. I, I, I can't even, man, this is just, this heavy, man. This is why I knew that you had to be on a Frog Logic podcast, brother. Because you're yeah, using yeah, Frog man. Logic day in and day out. You are inspiring people. You are motivating people. You are sharing your story with people. You're sharing it with our listeners right now. And I just know that people are going to find what you're talking about. They're going to hear that in your music. And, and that's why I'm so blessed to have you on the show. So the next thing, tell us what's going on now for the Scooter Brown Band. What's next? What's happening? Uh, you got some big things coming up. What's, what's, what's up? Um, so um, we just put out the new record in September. So we're kind of working off of that right now. Um, I've already started writing for the next one. Um, uh, you were talking about David Corley earlier. I'm actually going out. Uh, I think probably a big thanks to to, to the powers uh, behind the other side of the screen. Um, I got connected with him, and uh, um, the Lord works gonna, in mysterious ways. It does, brother. man. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> and uh, so we're gonna go out there and meet with David, and uh, he's gonna. I've been in Nashville a few times for some shows, but I've never. Um, uh, never got to pick a guy's brain like that. So I'm looking forward to going out and doing that. And then we're, uh, we're going to come back. I'm going to continue writing for the, for another record. Um, and then we'll, we're just going to be touring, um, um, in Texas for the first couple of months. And then, uh, starting in March, April, we're going to start hitting, uh, like Colorado, the Rocky mountain States. And then we'll probably go to the Midwest. And then, uh, uh, we're, we're working on our tour schedule right now for the, well, I'll First tell you what we're going to do is I'm, I'm going to try and make you get you swing down here to South Florida, man, because I'll tell you what. I South, would love to. South Florida, it needs a dose of the Scooter Brown Band. That's for sure. These I, people I need, agree. They got to pull up their butts so far. And it's just uh, I'm inundated <laughs> with, with pop music down here. I'm about ready to pull my hair uh, out. <laughs> yeah, man. One can only take so much of that. <laughs> all right. But, all right. So how do people, how do my audience, how do my listeners, how do they go find you? How do they hear your music? How do they, how do they start following you? What, what, t- tell them where, tell them where to go. All right. So, uh, first thing, you know, our website is scooterbrownband.com. Um, obviously we're on Facebook, 
under the official Scooter Brown Band, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Honestly, if you just Google Scooter Brown Band, all of it will pop up. Um, um, we're on, uh, as far as music, you can download it off iTunes, Amazon. Um, I believe that you can order it, um, order hard copies from like Best Buy and Target.com and Walmart, I think. Uh, I don't know. I don't ever get on and I don't, I don't ever get on trying to order my stuff. So I don't, but I'm, that's where I've been told that it's at. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, and then I run all my own social media. So uh, if you send me a message or, do something, it's me getting back to you, and I, I get back with just about everybody, um, you know. Um, and then our booking agency is uh, ctkentertainment.com, and uh, they uh, they do all of our booking inquiries. Awesome. So. All right, man. Well, uh, the, the last thing I always like to ask people is, uh, you know, do you have any a buddy out there that you, you want to give a shout-out to or you want to thank or, you know, that you want to just mention real quick about, you know, that motivation or – you know, are there any parting words that you want to give the listeners about about music and, and why it matters? Um, man, I tell you what, I'd like to give a shout out to um, um, anybody and everybody that's ever followed my music or supported my music um, because of because of that. Like, uh, you know, anybody, anybody, any of us can we can pick up a guitar and we can go play at somebody's house or in a backyard barbecue or whatever. But I get to make a living because you people pay your hard-earned money to come out to my shows and buy my records and follow me on social media. And, like, I get to, I get to support my wife and my four kids. We've adopted the two youngest, so it's helped me adopt two, two of my kids. And, like, I'm just extremely grateful to get to do what I do. And I don't get to do it without uh, – putting asses in the seats of people paying to come in. So dude, thank you. Anybody that's ever supported my music. Um, you know, as far as uh, if there's anybody out there that's trying to get into the music business, man, just don't ever give up. You're going to get told no a thousand times. And, uh, you know, if get, get no, told no a thousand and one, see how many, t- try to see how many times you can get told no, you know, like go out there and try to get told no. Semper uh, Fi. <laughs> you know, that's it, man. Dude, you just gotta, um, just don't ever quit, man. Don't ever give up. If it's something that you truly love and you're passionate about it, just do it, you know? That's cool. That's it. All right, my man. Hey, I, I, Scott, it's just, uh, I feel so blessed to have you as a friend in my life and I still feel Likewise. so blessed. And, and just thank you so much for being on the show and uh, God bless you and your family, brother. Love you, buddy. Later. Absolutely, man. Scott, I mean, 
you you listen to the way this guy talks about music and his experience and and how it's been a part of his whole life and then and then really how he 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 took it and utilized to get him through this incredible you know time in the Marine Corps and his deployment to Iraq and 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 then now as his struggle you know since 2005 to become a well-known musician where he's he's sitting side by side with some of the the people who are his greatest influences I mean, that's the beauty of art and, you know, and, and drive behind, you know, really perfecting a craft, becoming so good at what you love and what you're passionate about and, and what makes you motivated to be alive and above dirt, man, and to find that success. And it's, you hear it in his voice. And, and that's what the beauty of having Scott on. And, and I hope everybody out there realizes the power of Scott's message. And what it does and what it does for people. And, and I'm hoping that you'll go out there and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll go to iTunes and you'll download, you'll download Scott's latest app album, the Scooter Brown Band. You'll visit his, uh, his website, uh, scooterbrownband.com. You know, you'll watch his videos on YouTube. And, and if you get a chance, you'll, 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 you'll follow him on Facebook and Instagram and, and all the places where he is. And, and you can watch this very talented individual rise up. And, and, and achieve this great success because he loves doing it for us. He's incredibly motivated to, to deliver us something that makes our lives better. And that's an, that's an incredible, incredible thing. And that's why we had him on the show, man. And I, and I hope, man, you enjoyed it because I know I love talking with Scott. He's an amazing guy. And I just feel so fortunate that we're friends and that, and that he's out there and, and he's going to keep you, – you just watch because he is going to be just one of the best musicians out there and certainly one of the best new Southern rock classic amazing rock and roll stars. There. And, I, and I love that whole thing where he goes, you know what, I'm a country musician with a rock and roll problem. <laughs> so God bless God, man. I love it. So that's that's the end of 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 the Frog Logic podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I really have, man. I I, I love doing the show. It, it's part of my passion. Part of the medium that I love is to bring you incredibly motivational things that get you fired up, that ignite the fire in your gut to seek out, you know, the truth of yourself and what 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 gives you purpose in life and the purpose with which you can go live your life to the fullest. That's why I'm here. That's what I do. And if you want to know more about Frog Logic, just go to teamfroglogic.com or you can follow me on, on our Team Frog Logic page on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, Google Plus, uh, Tumblr. I'm all, I'm all over the place. Plus, you can follow this, this podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes and, and on our website if you want. Uh, and I've got a bunch of YouTube videos. I've written a couple books and Hey man, we're just out there to provide you with the very best motivational media that matters to you in your life. Uh, listen, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a true gift and a pleasure to be able to get on this microphone and and allow you to feel what I feel in life, man. And because that you know, every day above dirt is a gift for you, and you should maximize that to its to its highest level, man. I'm telling you, um, it really is one of one of life's greatest gifts is to wake up every day, be thankful, to look at God and say, thank you for what you've given me and to, to, and to live with purpose, man. And, and that's what I teach people. That's what Frog Logic is all about, is to teach people how to embrace their fears, forge their self-confidence, live the team life, and live with purpose. And if you, again, you want to reach out to me and you want to hire me as a speaker or a coach or whatever, just go to teamfroglogic.com forward slash contact and I'll, we'll get back to you as soon as possible, either me or someone on my team. 
So that that's it for this show. Again, thank you for being a listener. Thank you for following, and and I hope you're uh, I hope you're motivated, man. But and and never and, and and never forget to thank the people in your life who made an impact in you every single day. And so I want to thank my wife, the Admiral, my family, my friends, all those in the Brotherhood who got me here, all those downrange that right now they're serving. I want to thank all those listeners and all those people who are paying attention because without you, man, I wouldn't keep coming back from war. And you're my motivation. So, lastly, don't ever forget, I'm your new swim buddy. Let's get motivated. Out! Eighteen feels like a soul bone. You volunteer to fight for the things you love Sacrificing everything you love and hold dear You can die for your country, but you can't drink a beer And if I make it out alive I'm gonna hold her a little more tight I'm gonna tell my old man I love her and I'm gonna praise God for my life And I'm gonna live for every sunset And for every sunrise I swear I'll be a better man If I make it out alive Lonesome is a lonely sound But you never heard a lonesome till the fire comes down And never knowing if you're gonna live or die It can show age of war in a young man's mind And if I make it out alive, I'm on hold I'm gonna tell my old man I love him And I'm gonna praise God for my life And I'm gonna live for every sunset And for every sunrise I swear I'll be a better man If I make it out alive If I make it, if I make it, if I make it out alive And if I make it out alive, I'm gonna hold her a little more tight I'm gonna tell my old man I love her And I'm gonna praise God for my life Sunset and for every sunrise, I swear I'll be a better man if I make it out alive. If I make it out alive.